Hello, and welcome to the Get Snatty Podcast. My guest today is Matthew C.K. Gaston. Matthew is an influencer, I think it's fair to say. Uh, he is the primary botany influencer on the internet. He's also uh, the education director at the Zilker Institute. Do I have that right? The Zilker Botanical Garden. Drop my camera, but it doesn't matter. Cool. <laughs> so, how did you... Well, thank you for having me. No, no, thank you. I, I've always wondered how how you uh, ended up being an influencer and how, like, how that happened. Yeah, um, it was not my intention at all. And, well, look quickly, let me apologize for the uh, using the I word. It's just we don't have a better word. Yeah, I suppose I, I will have to accept that. And um, yeah, uh, influencer is something that people have described me as. I don't describe myself as that, but, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, so I was, it was uh, 2021. I was kind of just uh, hanging out with my myself because it was COVID and I was all alone and my sister was like hey you know you always talk about plants just like non-stop like all the time you should just make videos about you talking about plants and post it on TikTok and people will probably like it and I said okay so I did one uh about poinsettia and I said yeah poinsettias and it was a, it was about how you can get a poinsettia to grow um year round and then to get it to have the nice red foliage again you have to put it in the closet and when it comes out it'll be vibrant and red and colorful and so I made some kind of video related to kind of, uh, you know, gay coming out. And then it did very well. And then I just kept making videos, and then now I'm here. <laughs> I rarely think of you as like a, a uh, LGBT creator, which I, I mean is a compliment. It, just that, like, I think of you as a plant guy. Not like, um, you know, because it's, it's a slippery slope between, like, having your entire online identity being consumed by your sexuality or whatever. Um, especially yeah. when there's, like... And it annoys me, I'm projecting a little bit here, I, I, it, it annoys me that there are people who wouldn't watch your content because they would just assume that it was like somehow had some sort of axe to grind, uh, which, do you know what I'm saying? I don't even mean like people who are, who are necessarily homophobes. I, I find that yeah. as, as someone who makes like funny content, make a lot of content I assume would be, would be, uh, would appeal to like. 18, 19 year old straight boys who like dick and fart jokes who wouldn't yeah. like want to look at my content because like, oh, that's gay shit. And, and not even necessarily from like a homophobic place. They just think it's going to be like the E channel. Yeah, I think there is, you know, a certain perspective uh, of people who are just very, I guess, heteronormative. And so like, I don't want to do that or I don't want to watch that because I'm not gay. So that's not for me. Um, but I think there's uh, there's a way to kind of incorporate sexuality just by existing. Just like, oh, you know, I do plants, but I'm also gay. Right. Um, you have to deal with that either way, you know? Yeah, you, you so. do that very well. In fact, I, I was watching you for a while before I even had any clue what your sexuality was. Sorry to, to, to railroad it that way. I was just reminded of that. So you basically, you, uh, this is really, it's a lot of people's story with how you ended up doing this. Someone said, you should do that. Then you did it and it did well. And then you woke up one day and you had 10,000 followers, then 50,000, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would prefer that it stopped at 10,000 because then I could like build a meaningful relationship with the people because I was getting like tons of questions about plants. I'm like, great, this is fun for me. I love answering plant questions and talking about plants. That's really all I can talk about because I don't do, I don't watch sports or anything. Um, and then uh, well, I had too many questions and I had to ignore them. I felt horrible. So it was about a couple months of me feeling like I was failing because I didn't respond to everyone. And I realized, you know, I I'm not obligated to respond to everyone in the world. I feel that too, especially when it's like, I, I can't respond to every comment. And like, I, I, I posted a video about my mom dying and there, and there were so many people like writing such beautiful things. And like, I know like the, the, like the, the, the size and power of my feelings. It's just as true for them. Um, you know, we're all like people and I, 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 it, maybe I have a Jesus complex, but like, it annoys me that I I don't have the the physical time to like, uh, respond to people. And like you say, like, I I feel a weird obligation to, it's like, thank you for taking the time to like interact with my content. And, and, you know, I, 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 it's not something I, I, I take for granted. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely, I, I think we we do the same way on that, and so it it, uh, it took me many months to kind of settle with the idea that I couldn't like pr- possibly respond to everyone because I would like be up at night trying to respond to people, and then I was like half-assing it, and then I wasn't you know responding properly in a way that was meaningful. It would just be like a thumbs up or something. So I just had to to you know acknowledge that. So what, it, it, one quick second, Nina. You're very sweet, but you need to shut the fuck up. Wow, look at that. She's going to keep... She's going to start doing it again. Um, <clears throat> so, it was... Uh, you were just a, a quarantine TikToker, like so many of us. Pretty much. And I was, like, in grad school, and I wasn't super uh, enjoying it that much. So, it was like, oh, this is a good escape. I can make these videos, and I feel like I'm connecting with people... And it's in the middle of pandemic, and then, uh, you know, I can do something that, you know, makes, makes me feel like, you know, my days are filled with uh, interconnection with people, so. When you were a kid, prior to higher education, were plants your, your primary interest in terms of education and science and whatnot? Did... Uh, yeah, that's a good... I've always been into plants since I was, like, in third grade, um... Uh, I went to my grandparents' house, and in their backyard, they had all these lovely plants, and they'd show me them. And I would go, wow, these are fantastic. And then I went to a summer camp at the San Antonio Botanical Garden, and that's where I kind of got addicted to the plants. And so that third-grade summer camp cemented my interest, and I've been growing plants ever since. I've had, like, a greenhouse, and uh, I was like, oh, I volunteered at the Botanical Garden. I had birthday parties at the Botanical Garden, and I worked in the herbarium and in undergrad and I was like yeah you know that's kind of what I want to do and I went into education uh, because I was afraid of talking to people so I was like I'm going to force myself to talk to people especially children who will have no filter and I really enjoyed it because I was able to help people you know appreciate plants uh, which I had already you know appreciated significantly and most people didn't even know they were alive so yeah I, I I'll be honest like I would consider botany about, to me, about the least interesting thing on earth, to be quite honest. Um, part of it's like from, I, I grew up, I grew up like in a, uh, like leafy suburbs in New Jersey, like in the woods. And my mom like would, would garden and I fucking hated it. And I just resented it. But 
um, one, this is to your credit as a, as a creator, or even as an educator or, and, or both, um, you, you are really able to present ideas about botany and present them in an interesting way. So that's cool. I, I always say this, you did a, I forget the name of the plant, but you did a, a, a video about, I think it's one of your more successful videos, um, all time. You did a, a, about a mustard seed that is the same plant in, in very, in many foods we eat going back to, which I found to be one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. Just as like a, I'm, I'm a curious sort. I, I like history and, 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 you know, the social sciences and yada, yada, yada. And, um, you know, the, the, how that like intersects with anthropology, history, economics, it's just, just absolutely fascinating. What's the name of the plant? So I could, I could put up a picture of it. Brassica oleracea is the mustard plant that got domesticated and it became Brussels sprouts and broccoli and um, cauliflower and uh, kohlrabi and all those things. The domestication of that crop is basically wild mustard. So if you just Google wild mustard, that's the thing um, that has been bred so successfully. The fun thing about plants is that there's a lot of like innuendos too. Um, like sexual innuendos like I made that I had a presentation I called breeding and seeding which was entirely just on plant breeding and cultivation which was the topic of like how mustard has been you know bred and cultivated through the years um, but the gay community also liked that <laughs> that actually reminds me um, you could tell me how harebrained you think this is I, I'm, I'm an atheist but I'm not uh, yeah. I'm not like a militant atheist I actually don't have that much quarrel with with, with religion but when I when I look at fruits, especially, and I see shapes that look a lot like uh, mammalian genitalia, specifically vaginas, fruits being like the you know the sexual organs of plants or whatever, I, I look at stuff like that, and I'm like, well, looking at that, I can see why people would want to believe or be inclined to believe that there's an order to the universe, and uh, and God and or some sort of uh, prime mover or designer. Um, does that sound crazy to you? Um, I mean, I think that it does sound crazy. I think people have believed that to be true. Uh, I just think it's a coincidence of evolution. So I'm, I don't believe in any higher power uh, because it, I just, I went to Catholic school and then Me too. Well, I didn't, very silly. I, I'm a, I'm a confirmed Catholic, but I didn't go to Catholic school. So that similar oh, background. Okay. Yeah. Do you know who Kirk Cameron is? He was, no, I don't know who that is. Okay, he was a 80s actor on a show called Growing Pains, who then became like a, after his acting career fizzled out, became a like born-again Christian luminary or whatever. But he did this thing about like showing a banana and how like it has like a packaging and how that was like proof of God. And, and now I just <laughs> was thinking how I, I sounded a little bit like him. Yeah, I mean... It's interesting. I mean, and so I can think of a lot of flowers that look vaginal, and they're even called, like, um, there's one flower that is called, the genus is Clitoria, because it looks like, the part of the flower looks like a clitoris on the, you know, vagina. And, um, yeah, I, it's perfect for bees. Bees love to go inside uh, and collect pollen, and I think the shape just so happened to be useful. I mean, there's so many different types of flowers, and most of them don't look sexual. But there's a few that are like, wow, that looks just like, you know, a vagina or a penis or something. You know more about science than me, so I'm going to bounce off some of my crazy poet ideas about science. Okay. I tend to think that if, if uh, intelligent life exists in the universe, 
I have the suspicion that it is almost identical to the life we find here. Um, I think on a on a another planet, assuming it was you know made of the same elements and like the same temperatures, I would think because of like chaos theory or, or my limited understanding of it, things would kind of end up very similar. Like for instance, there'd be snails. Um, there'd be rocks would look the same. There'd be like uh, uh, you know quadrupedal animals, fish. If and when there were there were bipedal bipedal primates who who evolved to be intelligent, they would build things like houses, and a house would look the same because a roof is shaped that like that to to so the the rain falls off, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think of that, or am I missing forty five logical steps? Well, this is a very good question. Uh, my background is in botany, but I thought about this as well. Uh, so, I mean, we are limited by what we experience. So right. for us to fathom, we can't, you know, see or fathom because everything that we can think of is like a um, creation of things we've experienced. So if we haven't experienced something that's not different, that's not on here, on Earth, then, you know, we probably wouldn't think it would live somewhere else. Uh, based on Converge, well, okay, this is idea that is supporting your proposal is like uh, on Earth we have convergent evolution which are that, you know, we have different organisms end up taking the same form or shape or, or functions uh, or based on how the environment and what they can collect for. And so you'll have tons of different plants that are not related at all. They all look the same because that shape doesn't really start That would probably happen with animals too. Um, but the environment is probably what would dictate what things would look like and what would So I would say... The house, the house example is that the roof would look that way because you're trying to, you know, support, uh, you know, some type of precipitation coming off of the roof. If there's no precipitation, I'd have a roof that's like slow. Uh, Wait, but if if there were no precipitation, how would uh, it wouldn't it stand to reason that life would never um, happen there? And and like I, I do understand what you're saying. We like you say we're, we're limited by by our, our perception, for instance, like we have 10 digits. That's why we have a numerical system that's powers of tens, which is a very, very myopic way to look at, uh, you know, not only mathematics, but even like the universe and metaphysics or, or whatever. So um, yeah. there is a big caveat with my harebrained. Uh, th- it's just that I, I watch a lot of Star Trek and I'm always kind of like, I bet this is more accurate than you know, I'll never know because I'll be long dead before interstellar travel's invented. But I bet, like, you know, for the most part, it's bipedal humanoids walking around the universe, if not, you know, AI. But I, w- I would also imagine that, you know, most plant life would be pretty similar. You might just have different pigments to collect uh, solar radiation or radiation in general. So you would have to have, you know, uh, some way to collect energy and so you have to have a a layer of producers so you know plants or algae or bacteria that can collect maybe you know x-rays well probably not x-rays that would probably be too damaging uh probably uh infrared or something so some you know organism collects infrared radiation and uses that to create sugar and then another thing eats that thing so right and that happens in the 
that happens in like the primordial soup era. And then from there, it, it butterflies effects into a, a system that's completely, dare I say, alien to ours. Uh, okay. So it, it, the, the, I guess the, the short answer is who fucking knows? <laughs> not, I mean, not that, us. That is, uh, that is probably, yes, that is the short answer. <laughs> um, are you a fan of Hank Green? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. I watch his things when they come up, his videos. Me too. I bring him up because I, I would say you remind me of him to a, to a large extent. Just someone with the ability to um, <clears throat> present, your ability to present things that are often considered boring or are or, or often presented in a very dry manner um, in a way that's like, understand. My, my point is, uh, my question is like, where do you see your career going or, or where would you like it to go? Would you like it to go more the Hank Green direction or more... Uh, being a luminary in academia? Yeah, that's a good question. I do not like academia. Um, the whole system itself that I've experienced is pretty flawed and uh, benefits people who are already being benefited mostly. Uh, research is fun. Academia as like an institution, I'm not a huge fan of. And I also don't like research that much. I prefer getting people excited about things that other people research. So I would prefer to go kind of the Hank Green science communicator route, working in education, but also having my foot in the, the plant science and you know science door uh, to kind of stay in tune. So yeah, I read some paper the other month that was you know uh, new and interesting. It's like wow, I could make a video about this. And I was thinking, wow, that's what that's what uh, Hank Green does. He finds a really cool paper that. Uh, and then he distills it into an exciting little tidbit. And so that's kind of something that I would like to do. Right now I'm enjoying working at the Botanica Garden. Um, a lot of my stuff now is kind of administrative. But, you know, in 10 years, hopefully I can focus on that well, wherever I may be. And, and, and uh, trust me, like, uh, I, what, what we want to happen, what we think will happen, and what happens, I understand, are always completely different things. It's just like... Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, I was more or less wondering stardom in entertainment or success rather in entertainment were to come your way, would it, would it be something you resented in that it would, it would be keeping you away from higher learning or, or, or research or what have you? And I guess the answer is no. Yeah. I not to do research and not to go into academia. Um, I left it because I wasn't a fan. And so, yeah, I... I'm happy with what I'm doing now, which is people learn. One sec, my dog. <laughs> One yeah. thing we have in common is we are both uh, in relationships with influencers in a public manner. How how do you find that? <laughs> uh, interesting, because Omar will start making uh, TikTok. I have no idea, and I just kind of go along with it. And uh, he gets recognized, and then I get recognized. But because my stuff is more topical, and we end up going to plant places, I end up getting recognized more. So I think sometimes, like, oh, wow, like, you're famous. I'm like, no, I'm not famous. It's just I talk about plants, and we're at, like, a nursery. So you might have one person that knows me. But uh, he 
has twice as many followers as I do, and uh, he he's I I think it's good. I mean, it's good because we both understand kind of how things operate and like making content. Well, um, were you were you both you both were successful content creators before you started dating? Yeah. Okay. We met on TikTok. Right, right, right. Yeah. It, it's it's more or less the same for Josh and I. Didn't meet on TikTok, but like from the get go, that was. It, it's not like it's something that like happened. It was something that was from the from the get go. Um, yeah. <clears throat> has it? Do you find um, one thing that that I find annoying about it? <clears throat> and this is from like the public, is people. Um, you know, people will see eight seconds of your life and then kind of concoct all sorts of harebrained stories, um, which I guess yeah. is, is like common to like uh, any kind of parasocial relationship. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's like I'll be I'll be doing a live stream and someone will be like, where's Josh? And I'll be like, it's 1130 on a weekday. It's very, very normal that we're, we're, we're not together. Um, and, and what I, what I always say is like, it, it's like, imagine you go to the grocery store to buy milk and the cashier alone and the cashier you've never met is like, where's your girlfriend? Is everything okay? And you're like, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I can totally relate to that because Omar and I would do like a couple live stream together. And then every time he or I would live stream independently, they're like, Hey, where is your partner? You're like, oh, you know, he's not here right now. And then half of the comments would be like, we want to see Omar. Yeah. And of those comments, I would say 30% of those are just trying to be in, just trying to get under your skin. Um, And the other 70% are people who are like uh, Matthew and Omar super fans who are there for Matthew and Omar, not Matthew or not, or not Omar. What I always say is like, there's in terms of like publicly, there's three people, three entities in my relationship. There's me, the individual, Josh, the individual, and then Josh and me. And all three of those things have like, there, there are people who are primarily into all three of those different things. I mean, I, I saw your videos when you were reviewing the, the fast food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're so funny. I love those. Um, and that was that's very different than what you do with Josh. Well, the thing is, I, I kind of stopped. The, the reason I was doing those, like you during the pandemic, I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? So I'm like, oh, I'll, do, I'll, I'll start like a fitness. I'll start like a fitness channel where like the deal is uh, flexible dieting. And like, you can eat, you know, you can be lean and you, you, you know, you can eat like junk food once a day, like, you know, you can incorporate into your diet, but it was really just an excuse to have something to talk about. And like the, the, the item I'm eating would do half the writing. It, it just got to the point though, where like, I don't know if I could make any more jokes about hamburgers or, or fucking candy bars or, or, or whatever. But thank you for saying that. Cause I, sometimes I miss it, but like. I don't miss, um, like I have, I have not like I was saying anything important, but like I have like nothing left to say about, about that stuff. It's, it's part of the, the growing and that was a period that helped you grow and get to a certain point. And so. Absolutely. And I could still like go to that well from, from time to time. 
Um, speaking of fitness, you're a, you're obviously someone who lifts weights. Uh, how long has that been part of your life? Uh, I started lifting weights when I started football in eighth grade, so I've been doing it for since eighth grade, mostly because I didn't want to get hurt. So I was like, I need to be bigger and stronger than everyone else. So, yeah, and I've been working out ever since. But then football, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of football, having played it, you know. My knee hurts, my shoulder hurts. I'm like not that old, so it's like okay. I don't know if it was worth it, the five years of football to, you know, have knee pain. You were a linebacker. That's my guess. Uh, that's a great guess. I was defensive end most of the time. Really? You you were? A, yeah. Were you a thicker boy in high school? I was, but not as thick. So like, our school was a small like private school, so we didn't have anyone that was actually big. So our approach was, well, let's just put Matthew on the end because he can run quickly. So he'll just try and run past the line. And so my whole thing was just to run around and try and, you know, get the quarterback. Um, I, I too went to a, I played football in high school. I too went to a private school and like, because of there were fewer kids, it was just like people, like I got opportunities that I wouldn't have gotten in a, in a regional public school with like far more kids. Yep. Not to take anything away from your 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 football career, but yep. that's exactly me. And so I, I, it's completely the same. I probably wouldn't have been that position. I probably wouldn't have been on varsity as like a sophomore, uh, like as a sophomore. But they just had no one. So, right. Um, yeah, it was an interesting experience. I enjoyed it. I like working out uh, mostly because it's a way to de-stress. And yeah, that's actually the main reason. I mean, I I think I didn't I didn't really start. I played football in high school, but like. I did the bare minimum with, with weightlifting. I didn't really get into lifting weights till I was about 30, 32. I'm 46 now. Um, wow. But my, my thing with it is I know of very few things in life that you'll get more out of versus so much, so, so little input with so much output. Meaning just, just being consistent and doing really not that much Um has you know myriad health benefits myriad like cosmetic benefits and mostly just makes you feel good yes um it it makes sorry go on i was gonna say yeah the feeling good part is that like most of the reason why i do it at this point is just like i went for like a 20 minute run yesterday and i felt amazing i wasn't stressed i was able to handle everything i work really well and then, like, there was, like, one week where I was, like, on, I have to prioritize stress, and I didn't run or exercise, and I was just stressed the whole time. And then, yeah, the, the, the feeling better part is great. I mean, everyone should exercise in the morning. So. I, I, what I always say is, like, particularly with lifting weights, it, it uh, makes it so you, you, it makes you inclined to prioritize taking care of yourself. Like, I'm yes. lifting tomorrow, so I need to eat well, and I need to sleep well. Um, maybe I shouldn't do this deleterious activity, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what is your, with weightlifting, what's your philosophy or what's your, what's your routine look like these days? Yeah. Um, my routine is pretty much what I did in high school. It's like four, it's basically four types of workouts. So it's, uh, like upper body. Well, okay. It'll be lower body explosive. So lunges and box step ups and, um, leg extension and stuff and then it'll be the uh, upper body power so bench and uh, incline row pull down 
and then I'll do lower body power and then upper body explosive and then like arms and stuff and shoulders on those days too. And so that's kind of my, my week. And then I'll add in running once or twice. Um, my, uh, I mean, yeah, I to completely agree with what you said. So my approach is, yeah, you know, I need to get eight hours of sleep so I can wake up and go to the gym and not feel horrible. And then once I go to the gym, it's like, well, I worked out and put in that energy and, and, and woke up early to try and be healthy. I need to try and get nine hours of sleep so I don't feel bad and I can recover. And so there's kind of a positive feedback loop almost because you feel pressured because you've already started that, you know, uh, started the positive trend of, you know, being healthy. Um, they were, yeah. So I've noticed too, if I eat poorly, then I feel, I mean, most people notice that you feel horrible the next day. It's like, okay, maybe I won't need to cup a cupcake every day. It's probably not going to be great. Um, just, You're someone I would say that's just about at your natural limit for muscle. Um, you know, it, how how do you find stick sticking with it when, um, like when really at this point for the rest of your life it's just about maintaining what you've got until you start losing it. Like, it, how do you how do you do you find it tough or to contend with that? Um, no, uh, I mean, I'm perfectly content with the way things are going and the way things will become, mostly in that the reason I exercise is not to get bigger and bigger, but mostly just to feel good and to kind of de-stress. Right. Um, I've hit the point where it's like, I, I go to the gym, I'm listening to like classical music, it's like super chill, like I'll take a little bit of pre-workout and drink coffee before, but I'm not like, you know, destroying myself. Um, it's mostly therapeutic at this point and it's, it's only just to make sure my mental health is okay too. I mean, it helps me relax so significantly, uh, that I'm okay with that. And also I think that when I watched some video with Neil deGrasse Tyson, he was explaining a poem that he really liked, um, this I think it's what it's called, it's a poem from like the 1920s or 30s. And there's a section in the poem where they're describing, uh, that you have to accept the coming of the years and, and basically the way that life works is like as you get older, you know, certain faculties will decline. You have to accept that. And then I was like, yeah, that's the way it goes. And as as I started getting older, I realized, well, I have to accept the coming of, of age here. And so I can't, you know, sprint as much as I did because then I will have zero energy the rest of the day. Um, yeah. Um, aging sucks, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, the, I've, I've actually found with, with lifting weights, like I don't care about losing muscle anymore. And I certainly don't care about putting it on. Um, yeah. cause it, it, in fact, like, I don't want to like this it sounds kind of douchey, but I'll just say it anyway. Like I, I've accrued so much muscle that if, if I want to look like not a beefy meathead, I have to be very, very lean, which fucking sucks. And like right now, I'm not, you know, if I'm at like 15 to 20% body fat, I look like very fucking big and like suits don't fit. So I'm like, oh, yeah. do you know what I mean? You start getting that like boxy look. So I'm like, I would be just fine losing 10, 15 pounds of muscle, um, particularly like, you know, in my back and whatever, and my shoulders. Um, because at this point, like, I don't, you know, at this point, I, I'm doing it to 
feel good. Um, <clears throat> so I, I hear you. Like once it, it, once you stop like chasing like progress with it, with it, like the first your first ten years doing it, a lot of it's like, oh, I'm gonna be able to lift this much. Um, it becomes a lot more. It becomes different once you run out of like you can only like you know you can only literally progress so much. Like I'll never be able someone I'll never be able to because of like the way my body's built I will never be able to bench four plates just couldn't happen I could do I could take all the drugs in the world um, I could dedicate my life but because of like long arms and leverage it's just something that that couldn't happen um, <clears throat> I don't know what my point is with that. Um, my point is like you, you reach all sorts of limits with it, whatever. And there's no, like, and you learn that it's not about, uh, progressing after a certain point. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, my, my squatting ability has declined, um, just progressively, but it's like, well, I can still walk and I feel better. So I don't need to be squat, you know, that, you know, 400, 500 pounds. I, I'm perfectly good doing whatever I'm doing. I, I stopped squatting and deadlifting during the pandemic because I didn't have access to a gym. And I got to tell you, I never started it. I never started back doing it again. And I feel great. Uh, you know, I'll get under, I'll get under, um, um, two plates sometimes and just do like a quick set of 10 to make sure I can, you know, still lift. But like, you know, nobody cares how much you lift. Uh, they care how big your arms are. Not to be crude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was. I was trying to explain. It. My my nephew's getting into it. He's like, oh, I'm I'm about to deadlift three fifty. I'm like, cool. Nobody cares. It's like talking about, <laughs> like talking about fantasy football. It's it certainly. Uh, I mean, I'm bisexual. I can certainly tell you that girls don't give a shit how much you lift. Um. <laughs> And I would honestly like I would have to imagine it's the same for gay men. Like, cool, bro, you, you, you lift a lot. Um, well, Matthew, this has been a fantastic podcast. Thank you for a coming on, b for being outside because that looks fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I have is I have a I'm filming myself on, on another camera. So I'll kind of like overlay the two. It's gonna it's gonna look real real nice. Cool. Um, that good. Do you have any? Uh, where can where can the people find you? Um, well, thank you for having me. People can find me on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. It's MCK Gaston. That's just my name with another letter in between it. So there'll be there'll be like links on on on, on this video. Um, actually, one more question. Have you thought about starting a YouTube? I have, and I love, like, long-form videos. I just don't have the time or energy to do it. So I applaud you. Uh, I also don't have the, you know, capacity to do podcasts either, so I also applaud you, so. I know how to edit and present a 12-second video, even a 30-second video. I don't necessarily know how to edit and present a, a long form video, which is part of the reason why I decided to do a podcast. Um, okay. cause I could just, you know, I could just do this. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe you'll get to the point where you could hire someone to like, to put YouTube videos together for you. <laughs> I believe in you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll see you. Yeah.
All right, Matthew, thank you.